All right, well, while Scotty is passing that out, um, obviously the handout tonight is just a, the, the scripture references that we're going to use tonight. And, and as is normal, we may or may not get through all of this. So the scripture references are in the order that we're going to look at them. And we're going to review just a little bit because... For the four weeks that we've been here talking about spiritual warfare, there has been spiritual warfare going on. Amen? Amen. And it, it never ceases to amaze me that what we talk about and understand intellectually, sometimes we forget that it becomes very practical. Very practical. So we've been taking a look at the at the biblical truth of the spiritual warfare, starting with the fact of the matter that there is an invisible world. And the Bible is very clear about that, right? There is an invisible world. And it's challenging to capture all of that by virtue of the fact that we live in the physical, don't we? So we're here, we're together, we're in the physical realms, and yet there is an invisible world, and we look at some wonderful, wonderful biblical stories that clearly indicate what God is doing and what the enemy is doing in the spiritual realms invisibly. And so, uh, as a reminder, remember we looked at, at the story of Elisha where, where um, uh, Elisha and his servants uh, were in, in, the, in the desert, if you will, and uh, and the king sent his army to get Elisha and bring him back. He sent an army to get him, and they surrounded the city. But Elisha prayed, and God sent his army that was much bigger, and they uh, were invisible, but only to some. And God made them visible to others. Now, so we have to deal with this from a point of view of reality, don't we? Because it's biblical truth. And yet it's hard to grasp. Doesn't that feel like a Hollywood movie to you? Sure. <laughs> of course it does. Of course. And even the disciples struggled with the visible and the invisible. Well, when Jesus was walking on the water and Peter and the boys were in the boat, and what did they, what did they say immediately when they saw him walking on the water because they weren't used to that? It must be a ghost. Loosely translated ghost in, into the English. But nonetheless, we have this invisible world that we have to deal with. We must deal with it. Because if we don't, our pendulum has swung so far to one side that we don't even pay attention to the spiritual battles and the spiritual war that is going on. And it affects our life. It affects our life in profound ways, but if we don't understand it, and if we don't acknowledge it, and if we don't understand that there's nothing to fear of it by virtue of the fact that the battles will be taking place in our lives if we're breathing. They only stop when we stop breathing. But we fight those battles in God's strength, in His power, not our own, and from victory, right? You see, because the, the war has been won, but the battle rages. And so last week, as we were taking a look at this war, we were taking a look at scripture references about what is the war that is going on? Who is the war 
What's, what's the basis of the spiritual war that's going on? What's the basis, biblically? Okay, disobedience. What? Pardon? Power. Power. Okay, what else? What is the basis of the spiritual war that we're in? Satan. Okay, evil. Sin. Evil. Good. Keeping people from believing. Keeping people from believing. These are all tactics that the enemy uses, some of which we're going to look at. Because tonight, we're going to start taking a look. It's going to, get, it's going to start getting real personal. And we have to deal with the fact that in the spiritual battles in our lives, we have to deal with the fact that there is an enemy and he is formidable. But we can't blame everything on the enemy. We have to take personal responsibility in the areas where we have to take personal responsibility for our choices and our actions and our words and so forth. However, there is a however. And that, however, is the basis of all things that are evil, including the things that we do. The basis is evil. And we're going to see that. And it becomes quite personal. And when we understand how personal it is, it gives us a good insight into how we are going to deal with all of the tools that God has given us that most of us woke up today not thinking about. We didn't even think about it. And I'll bet there were spiritual battles in virtually every person's life today that is sitting in this room. And I would also venture to guess that nobody got up this morning and said, I think I'm going to put on the full armor of God today. Anyone? Well, we're going to learn what that means. Because we've got to understand what that means. What is put Because... At the end of the day, we do a lot of talking as Christians, don't we? A yada, a yada, a yada. But what are, are we living in? That's the key. The key is we can talk about it and we can intellectualize it and we can even understand it. But man, if we don't live it, then the battle rages. The battle just rages. Last week, uh, we personalized. You can turn to 2 Corinthians 10 3 if you would like to. And last week, we'll start right where we left off last week with this, with this personalization, a paraphrase, if you will, of 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3. Because in this letter, we see that in the 10th chapter and the 3rd verse, it seems personal, but then you may or may not remember how I paraphrased it and made it even more personal last week. So, uh, are you there, Susan, in the NIV? Would you read Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5? Okay. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's awesome. I like the New Living Translation for purposes of this study. Listen to these words. 
you can follow along in your in your version if you're looking at the NIV or the or the New King James or whatever you're looking at. But listen to what the New Living Translation says. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Right out of the box, the identification of who we are. We are human, created beings, right? And there's a war going on, and yet he says, that, but we're not waging war like humans do. Isn't that interesting? Verse 4, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And now to personalize that even more, I like it in the New Living Translation because that's kind of personal. Talking about knocking down strongholds of human reasoning. Anybody ever think their way through justifying whatever action that you're going to take that perhaps might not be glorifying to God? You reason your way right through it, right? Every sin I ever committed, generally speaking, before I did it, I thought about it, and I did it anyway. Hmm. Sound familiar? We do that as human, you see, because we reason our way through it. Oh, it's not so bad. You know, I'm not as bad as, and then fill in the blank. Next time I won't. And next, or next time I won't. Oh, just this once. I'll ask for... I've even done things I ought not do because I knew I was going to ask God for forgiveness when I got done. It, huh? License okay. to sin. It's license to sin. It's license to sin. There's that, there's that human reasoning. There's that part where, we, where it goes right here. When right here we know we ought not. And yet we do. And, that's, and, and, and boy, that, the, the devil really starts to work on you, doesn't he? Mm really starts to work on you. But I like the personalization, and we did it this way in a paraphrase. So don't even look at, at, at your Bibles. Just listen to this. I paraphrased it very personally because we're going to start getting real personal now because Satan is personal. You have a foe that is formidable and it's personal because he is very unhappy with you at this moment because of where you are and what you're doing. Exactly. I mean, that's the truth. So here's the paraphrase of 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. I am human, but I don't wage war as humans do. I use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of my human reasoning and to destroy false arguments from the evil one. I destroy every proud obstacle that keeps me from knowing God more intimately. I capture those rebellious thoughts and turn to obey Christ. And I like the personalized paraphrase because it makes it more real. Because when I put I there, that can both be a positive and a negative. And we're going to see that a little later because that's what Satan did when he fell. There was a lot of eyes in Satan's vocabulary. So we see that in this 
in, in, in the scripture talking about knocking down the strongholds of our own reasoning, the way we think, the way we justify things, the way, the way we do things, when what really God wants is he just wants to be in relationship with us and he wants us to turn and just, and just be obedient because that's where joy comes from. Submission and obedience is, equals joy. It's, but the world doesn't think that way, do they? They don't. They don't. There's that whole reference to Ephesians 6.12 where the struggle isn't against the flesh and blood. But we always take it there, don't we? We almost always take our battles right to the flesh and the blood. Do we consider that the battles that we're dealing with have a root in the spiritual realms? We understand it intellectually sometimes, but do we go there? Because when you're fighting a spiritual battle, this is one of the questions that we had last week. If if you're dealing with something that's difficult and you're struggling, that word struggle, of course, we know means wrestling, right? Struggling means hand-to-hand combat with something or someone that has more power than you that gets you on the ground and you can't get up. That's when I say, oh man, I'm really struggling with this. Think about it that way because that's what struggle is. Struggle is hand-to-hand combat. And now put that in the spiritual context of who you're struggling with and where that comes from. You're in, a, you're in hand-to-hand battle. Think of it that way ever? We tend not to because I don't, I'm, you know... Believe it or not, I'm like a lover, not a fighter. Because I remember when I was in grade school, you see, I picked a fight with a kid because he was smaller than me. And he whooped me really bad. And, and that was the last fight I was ever in. <laughs> I was an eighth grader. I remember it well. But it's a struggle. And you see, we're not fighting this war, these battles in the flesh, according to 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 5. We are just not fighting it there because we live by faith, not by sight. And so the things that we struggle with, these, the evil that's in the world, even the things that we succumb to, have a spiritual root to them. There is a battle that's going on. It's a war that's, that's rooted in things that are invisible. We have to get that in our head because what happens is, is that we tend to want to fight the things that are in our life that we struggle with in our own strength. And, and we want to do it. And that means, that means physically. I can overcome this. I, I, can, I can avoid that. I can, I can, I can, I can. The problem is, is that you can't because it's spiritual in nature. And you can only fight those battles in the power that comes from. And we looked at that scripture last week as well. So Paul's saying here that the things that we're fighting can't be fought with in human terms. Think of your life and the things you're struggling with. And I know Richie loves to do this, and so do I, because he taught me how to do it. You know. Just last week, didn't he? Yeah. Okay, so, you know, because we have to look at everything through a filter. The good and the bad. It's, it's called our life. And we have to, it has to be filtered. 
And so we don't fight from a physical point of view. Because when we do, what is generally the outcome? When you fight a spiritual battle in the physical realm, what happens? Every time. You lose every single time. Because when temptation comes along, and you deal with that temptation in the flesh, I can... I can't guarantee it, but I can almost guarantee it, what the outcome is going to be. Right? We've had that. Every single one of us has had that experience. Every single one. Where we fight a spiritual battle in the flesh, and we circle the drain, don't we? We just circle the drain. And that's what God's words tells us is going to happen. So, you know, how much of the time do you spend fighting things in the physical realm that really have a spiritual root to them? That's a good question, isn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Um, why do you tend to initially deal with struggles and problems in your life and try to overcome them in your own strength first. Why do you do that? It's our nature. Huh? It's our nature. Oh, it's our nature? Right. Hmm. Is it your nature? That's what we've been taught since kindergarten, first grade, oh. second grade, third okay. all our lives we've been taught. Okay. It's our nature in the world. Human nature, Okay, it's human nature, but but Scripture says that if, if you're if you're a uh, if you put your faith in Christ, you are you are a new you're a new creature. We still go to nature. <laughs> okay, and so we also know that the only way to address these spiritual issues in your life is not in your strength. Exactly. There's the tension, right? So we live in that world of tension all the time, don't we? That's like this, isn't it? It's like this, it's like this, it's like this. It's where the tension that we have in fighting to try to overcome the temptations that we have in life, the, temp, the, the tension is that old nature. Because in our flesh, we carry our old nature and we even want to live in the past. Which is not a biblical thing to do, by the way. <clears throat> we want to live in the past. So, you know, so how... I mean, we have God's mighty weapons that are at our disposal. And by the time we're done with the study, of course, we're going to understand really well what Ephesians is talking about when it says, put on the full armor of God. Because my question earlier was, who woke up this morning and said, I'm going to put on the full armor of God today, and there is no way that the evil one is going to even be remotely available to attack. And yet there's a battle going on every single day of your life. And yet none of us get up in the morning and put on the full armor of God right out of, right out of it. And then we wonder why we succumb to the battles that are, that are raging around us. I didn't take it off before you go to bed. Right. right. So, you know, we have... I wonder sometimes how seriously we take this. Anybody? Not very seriously. 
I, when I did a survey two weeks ago in this room, and I said, how many people take spiritual warfare really seriously, like it's, like it's all you think about? Nobody. And then you depend on what the situation is. That wasn't the question, though. My question was, do you take this seriously? Is it really a part of your life all the time? Yeah, but we, as with our nature, we tend to put it on when it gets really serious and we think we can handle it when it's not really serious. Exactly right. There's the tension again, right? It's the back and forth. We go back and forth. always be here. Right. But we go back and forth. What day this week are you going to be engaged in a spiritual battle? Every day. Every day. Every day. Every day. And see, therein lies the problem, Steve. Thank you for bringing that up. Because the issue is, we wait to put on the full armor of God until after we have been engaged in the battle and we've realized, holy cow, I can't, I really can't do this on my own. If we even get there. Sometimes it's not recognized as a spiritual battle. Sometimes it's not recognized even as a spiritual battle. And yet, what does Ephesians 6 tell us? It tells us to put on the full armor of God. Because every battle is spiritual. Every battle you have is spiritual, you see, other than... I mean, the, the real root is a spiritual root. Now, again, there is personal responsibility. The devil didn't make me choose to do some of the things that I have chosen to do or say. God, I did that. But how did I get to the point where I was even capable of doing that? Because you see, my hope is in what? Ultimately, my hope is in Christ overcoming all of that. Ultimately, ultimately, we're all going to be there. We won't have to worry about any of this anymore, right? But in the meantime, in the meantime, see if I were God, I'm not sure I would have done it this way. <laughs> And you see, there are some things in God's plan that I frankly don't like. This just happens to be one of them. I don't like the struggle. Do you? I don't like the struggle. I don't like evil. I like... I, there's a whole lot of things. In, I don't like the fact that I inherited this condition. I don't like the fact that, that there's always the tension that's going on. Hmm. Huh. There's just some parts of this I just don't like. But. And that's warfare right there. That's warfare. That's warfare. Even though. Even though. I know that God has given me everything that I need. For life and godliness. Interesting. Yeah. So we're going to be taking a real close look over the next couple of weeks at what this spiritual battle really is on a personal basis, who Satan is on a personal basis, and how he deals with you and with me on a personal basis, and what it means then to dive into taking that full armor of God and putting it on. Because we say it, but if I did a survey right now, I'll bet you, me included in this room, if we went around the room and did a survey... My guess is we would find it difficult to articulate clearly what the full armor of God is, how to put it on, what it even means, and how to use it. 
Because we can speak about it because we've all heard about it. But really, at the end of the day, when we're going through this tension in our life and the struggles that we're having in the spiritual realms, do we really know? No. And the reason is, I'm convinced, mostly in the church, this is a generalization, kind of broad, but nonetheless, I'm convinced it's because the pendulum has swung so far to the right, meaning that we don't give it that much concern because, because we're always in that tension where we, we're doing it on our own. And then we wonder why we get into so many difficult situations as we try to approach this on our own without the full power that God has already given us. All we have to do is appropriate it. Right? So, how much of the Holy Spirit do you have? How much do you appropriate what it is that you're, that you're tempted with the situation? Somewhere between zero and some of it. Right? I mean, come on, as human beings, that's, that's kind of where we are. And, and, so, and I love God's Word because it, it, gives us, uh, it gives us everything we need, which is why we do these kinds of things on a Wednesday night, you know, instead of going to the ballgame. Right? So, you know, so here we have human reasoning and rebellious thoughts that cause some of these issues in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I think many or most of the spiritual battles that we deal with start right here. Where else would they start? Right between our ears. We're faced with something that comes up. How about a relational problem, anybody? How about a physical problem, anybody? (laughs) I love my sister Doris. (laughs) <laughs> we got over to Triple C yesterday, and it was wonderful because because ultimately uh, Doris finally submitted, and she finally said, "I want to go to continuing care." <laughs> and she was it was a fight. It was a, I mean, she fell off. She's ninety or going to be ninety next week, and or two weeks, and she she's on her treadmill. I mean, what ninety year old gets on a treadmill to begin with? And so she's on her treadmill. She breaks her arm, and she's I got this. Not, I don't need your help, right? And it was such a wonderful thing because what we, we were talking about the big red S that that Doris she let she let me share this. You know, have you ever seen her cape? She has a big red S on her chest. So do you? I know. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm so much like Doris. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> You, you think we're talking about Superman, but we know we're talking about stubborn. Because we're stubborn. We are stubborn. And, that, and that's where we have a problem with obedience. We're, pardon me? Fear. Okay. Fear? Well, you don't always get great care. I know, I work that. Yeah, exactly right. Friends are going to love you and take better care of you. Right. Those nurses who are overworking. And the problem is that in these areas in our life where we're struggling, at meaning that we're in hand-to-hand combat in the spiritual realms, what happens is, is that we might be in hand-to-hand combat, but most of the time, if not all of the time, the battle starts right here. Because Satan uses this as your first line. He goes right here. 
Okay? The circumstances in your life, everybody has had circumstances in their life that are very, very, very difficult to deal with. No question about it. And the circumstances come up, don't they? Because that's the nature of the world that we live in. Because we're in it, but we're just not of it. But while we're in it, we have these circumstances. And then the spiritual battles start right here. Yeah, I have a question. Satan is not omniscient. That's correct. If you're a true believer, he cannot possess you. So how can he read your mind and know... Who said that Satan can read your mind? And we're well, going to look at... said it started here. So ah. So if you're... I mean... Mm-hmm. The thought process... Mm-hmm. How does he... Well, we're we're going to delve into that because we have to know who Satan is, where he came from, and how he works. And he he doesn't work alone. Plus, all humans are the same. They have the same yeah, no. the same downfalls and the same desires, and, the, and we love to deceive ourselves. Um, and, and and he, of course, you know, one of the names of Satan, of course, is the great deceiver. And so we're gonna we're gonna look at that too, because where does that where does that come from? But no, as God is omniscient and as God is sovereign over all things, you see in God's sovereignty, He knows He knows everything that you are going to do in the future. Because most humans have two two deals: they either I deserve it or that person deserves it. Mm-hmm. So you can either stand by jumping on something. So what was else. the first word that you used when you were were uh, describing that? <laughs> I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're gonna. Yeah, we're that's, gonna that's what it is, though. And that's how Satan certainly manipulates. Certainly, sure. it's all it's all manipulated. It's it's all manipulated. And so mm-hmm. what happens is that Satan then begins to use what we what we start to think. Okay. Don't try this, but have a negative thought and see and see what happens. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. We even brought the Ouija board in, remember? And so we brought the thing on the Ouija board, and it's so it's just fun and games until you find out it's really not fun and games. It's really not fun and games because anything. Class, even I couldn't believe that they behave all. Yes. All of that, and you see, and that's the point. We need to, this whole idea of spiritual warfare is so real. We just need to get the pendulum to swing back to the middle, so that we, so that we a, we accept the reality of it, but we don't, we don't have to obsess. But we can't just blow it off either, can we? Right. Yes, and that's what I love about like God's like word. Just blow it off. What is it like if you blow it off? That's right. But he can't read our minds. No, he can't. But he watches our actions. Uh huh. He sees our surroundings mm-hmm. and all that. Uh huh. And, and we, we can't. Okay. Oh, well, and when we accept stuff like the Ouija board and the, for games for the kids, we hand it to them. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that all of these things are, are directly related to, of course, the transformation process that we've been studying on Sundays from the from the pulpit here, mm-hmm. uh, and that is, you know, to be to be transformed. You know, some of us. Some of us have 
uh, I, when I say some of us, I'm talking about the church in general. And again, another broad generalization. Um, but you know, some of us, uh, you know, have uh, enough Jesus to be informed, but not enough to be transformed. Um, and so, and that's the that's the nature of the battle. And when you see when the enemy realizes that you have just enough Jesus to be informed, but you you choose to not live it. Okay, and so what does he do? He he starts to he starts. There's a jack screw in your head that he gets he gets in your head, and and he makes you start thinking about things that you ought not be thinking about, and you begin to justify your actions. And it, it, and we're going to see this very very clearly biblically. We're talking about this generally in human terms now, but we're we're going to see it biblically because we need to understand it because you see it's overcomable. As much as it is our nature, that's we can't justify it. Because we've been given everything that we need to overcome it. And we can fight it from victory, not for the victory. You don't have to win any of these. The war is won. We fight with all of the weapons that God has already given us if we'll do it in the Spirit. But we struggle in the Spirit because we want to do it in the flesh. Because we live in the world and we're too much in the world, aren't we? Every one of us. Every single one of us. And that's, there it is, the tension. It's, it's the push, it's the struggle, it's the push, it's the struggle. But in transforming our minds, that's what we're doing tonight. This is a mind transformation to understand what's happening in the spiritual world so that we can live victoriously. Even in spite of the old nature that we inherited, we can live and we can claim the victory. But we have to know how to do it. Right? We have to know how to do it. Because that doesn't mean that we're going to stop sinning. Yeah, Sorry. We're, we're the ones that bring up the old nature. Mm-hmm. You know, in ourselves. That's right. And we open the door. Yeah. We open the door. When we don't need to do that, and there's an antidote for that <coughs> in the Spirit. It's like so, say, if you drink like we used to, you stand in front of the beer aisle too long, you're going to be walking out with one. Mm-hmm. Instead of walking away. Mm-hmm. Or not going down. Now, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah, I've shared with you many times, you know, when, when if, uh, you know we, we all of us have issues. <laughs> Amen? Uh, and, and we can point to things in our life that uh, that, that we that that, that we did, uh, uh, or that uh, um, uh, that we have we 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 constantly are struggling with trying to overcome. Um, and uh, and of course, as, as you know, my you know from my past, my past was was alcohol, and I always I tell you that I can't have alcohol in my house because it never occurred to me before I came to Christ that if you had alcohol there, it wasn't to be. You're supposed to drink it. So, you know, so if there were if there were 16 beers in the fridge, they were there to be drank. So I would drink them. It <laughs> doesn't matter. You know, it never occurred to me that you were supposed to stop. You stopped when you got done. <laughs> so um, and so I I had uh, so I had a, a, a birthday recently, and uh, on Monday and on on Monday after we got done on Monday, a friend of mine. Oh. Bless his soul. Um, on my front porch is a bag with a birthday card and two bottles of wine. <laughs> and 
Um, and, and so how do you deal with that? When you know that that's your weakness. When you know there are very specific things that you must do because that is a weakness, that is, that is the thorn. That, that is my thorn anyway. That's why I look at that. And, you know, so do you take, do you pour it down? What do you do with that? Give it to someone you know they can handle it and inform your friend. No, you just write a thank you note to your friend, think how nice it was of them, thank you, and say nothing to them. It was thoughtful. Yeah, it was thoughtful. Yes. It's not their battle. No, no, no. It was, it's my battle. Absolutely. Yeah. It's absolutely my yeah. battle. Give it away or pour it down. It doesn't matter. It's right. To do whatever you want to do with me. But I have to make a decision about how, how to deal with that. And is that, you know, was the root of that a, 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 an evil thing? Of course not. Of course not. It was, it, it was that's very actually generous. It went out of this way. It came to my house. I wasn't home. I left it on the front porch. It was a really nice card. And, and it, was, it, was, it was wonderful. The problem is that, that I, I can't open that. Tension, 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 tension. Now, of course, I, I've been fighting this for 20 years, right? Because I haven't had that problem. Well, I overcame that problem in Christ 20 years ago, but that doesn't mean it's gone. <laughs> I, I believe it will never be gone, but that's my battle. That's my battle. I have to deal with that. So have you ever considered that those kinds of things do end up having a root because the... There's nothing wrong with alcohol. There's absolutely nothing wrong with alcohol at all. There's only something wrong with being drunk. That's the issue. <laughs> it's not the alcohol. It's the amount of it that you consume, according drunk, to God's word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you're drunk, you don't care either. And so, but the problem is, that, but that's, that's the tension. That's the tension. That's the tension. Some people don't have any issue with that whatsoever. Other people do. And what about unbelievers? What, how does how does the evil one deal with unbelievers? Okay. Second Corinthians four four. You're already in Corinthians, aren't you? Just look back. If you're already there. Second Corinthians four four. If you don't think that the spiritual battles that you're dealing with start between your ears. And if you don't think that Satan looks for the easy targets, read 2 Corinthians 4.4. Go ahead. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. The God of this age. Now we know who that is, right? Anyone? Satan, okay, I like to paraphrase these things, okay? Satan has blinded the what? The Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Does this get real all of a sudden? Yeah, I hope so, because it says that he not only has blinded the minds of the unbelievers, Satan is working between the unbelievers' ears. It's an easy target. They're already somewhat predisposed not to believe. Frankly, we would probably suggest as believers that he frankly doesn't have to work that hard at it. Because they're pretty much already there. They're not struggling. That they're aware of. In their mind, it starts in their mind. They're not struggling there. 
so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that gives them freedom, that gives them a peace, that gives them everything that, that we so desire. And yet, the God of this age, the God of this world, the God that is in control of all things in this world, he's been given a lot of power. It's limited that we will see, but he's been given a lot of power. Like I said, I wouldn't do that. But that's, that's what it is. It's power that he's been given. One of the weird things, I'm looking at this, and it looks like it's underlined. It's like, oh, so I'm looking at the other page that I underlined after it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is in creation. You know what's gone, and it has come. Therefore. And this becomes very real in the spiritual realms all of a sudden. Now we're faced with this issue of the evil one, the one that is the God, little g, of this world, that somehow that God, big G, has allowed, okay, for his purposes, to be in control for this amount of time. Hurry up. Right? Anybody? Hurry up. God. I love the Psalms. God, what are you waiting for? <laughs> can, can you take care of this? Because I'm a jerk. And I don't like that. Right? Huh. I don't like the tension. I don't like the struggle. I don't like any of that. But he never said I had to like it. He said, I want you to be, what? Holy as I am holy, what God said. It didn't have anything to do with whether I like it or not. Hmm. I'm supposed to be faithful. He wants me to be obedient because he loves me. He just, he just wants this reciprocal relationship. And when I'm in the spirit, in that, in that reciprocal relationship, and, and help me with this. What about you? You ever spend some, you just spend time in the spirit and not in the flesh? And it's like, wow, that's a place to be, isn't it? See, our love for Christ should keep us from living in that space. It should. It should. Tension, it's pushing, it's pushing, it's pushing. Well, you think we get tired. You would think. And and so and it's not that complicated. Except it is a struggle. Believers, it's a struggle. Okay. Don't let anybody tell you that it's not a struggle. It is a struggle. Why has God made so much provision for us? To deal with the struggle. He knows. Why do you think that when you why do you think when you repent, why do you think after you sin and you repent that scripture says that God I don't know how he does this because I have a pretty well I used to have a long memory. And so what happens is is that man I can remember things for a long time. But somehow or another when you repent, you ask for forgiveness, you turn the other way, God flips the switch, it's done, gone. Remembered no more, scripture says. Wow, powerful. So, what is the conflict in the spiritual realms all about? If you have to just nail it down between this good and this evil, this struggle that we have back and forth, the tension that we feel all the time, what is at stake? I have a little note here from that last scripture. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, it says the allure of money, power, and pleasure blinds people from the light of Christ. Who can argue with that? That's kind of our struggle. It's the thought. It's like, you ever, I mean, little kids, when they're like two or three years, me do it. You go back and to immediately, honor. you want to do it yourself. But isn't the struggle itself, the struggle, whatever you're struggling, isn't that the sin? The fact that you aren't having, that you aren't give, having complete faith and saying, okay, Lord, this is, this is the way it should be. Oh, should I, should I, should I? That, isn't that the sin? Not necessarily. Not necessarily because, uh, and, and, let me, uh, and let me tell you, let me tell you why. I, I, I'll give you just a, I'll just give you a flat-out example. We've been, we were talking about this just a little bit the other day, um, Dan and I. And so, you know, um, I, I, let me reel it back. Several months ago, we decided, Tyler and Richie and I, you know, we, we meet every week and we pray over this church. We pray for the people in this church. We pray. We, I mean, we pray. And we think and talk and pray about what God would have for this church as we go forward. The decision is made that we should probably have a summer series. This is, this was before Christmas. <laughs> we should have a summer series on spiritual warfare. And then they both look at me. <laughs> great idea. Let's pray about that. That's a great idea. We because churches don't teach on this. It's funny. Churches are churches are church light. We we got to deal with the real stuff of life. I think. And so what happens is we make that decision. The next thing I, sh I shared this with you. The next thing I you know I'm a voracious reader. I love to read. And so I buy twelve books. I got them. There they are. I told you this before. And there they are sitting on my desk with the Bible right on top of them. You know. And I'm going to get started. Because I'm going to study and I'm going in. And the next thing you know, whack. You get hit by a Cadillac. And the, my whole world flips upside down. That's okay. God does the healing. Three and a half months after that, it's like I'm almost practically normal again. And so the next thing I do is i got to dive in. I'm going to dive in all the way. I, there they are. They're sitting on my desk. All 12 books. Well, my Bible's sitting on top of them. So I dive in. What starts happening? Ticky, tacky, nasty, little inconvenient. And it's just constant. This thing breaks. That doesn't work. I run out of paper. The ink doesn't, isn't available for my printer anymore. I, I mean, it's just like, and it's like happening all around me all the time. What did I do? My first reaction was, Oh, what a pain. You know, I'm busy. i got to study. It, it even took me a while to understand, wait a minute. There I am in the flesh. The guy that's supposed to sit here and do this, in the flesh, trying to deal with all these little things. None of them were big. Not a one of them was big. Aggravating. Time-consuming. Distracting. Took me out of my game plan. Mine. I. Me. Mine. Interesting. What began to happen? God began to teach me all of a sudden. So then all of a sudden, dude, are you going to get up and put on the full armor of God or aren't you? I told Richie and, and Tyler, I said, maybe I, maybe, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't teach, guys. I mean, you think, that, you think the enemy wasn't messing with my head? <laughs> he used all the little distractions and then to get in, started to get into my head. And then I began to just to claim 
the victory. I began, I began to pray over my my house. This when we started, I walk around the church and I pray for God, for an army of God, to protect everybody that walks to the door. I, I pray over the door. I'm, I'm not saying that. I don't don't look at me. What I'm saying is, I'm saying that in the spiritual realm, God will provide when you intercede. And so intercessory prayer becomes very important. Praying for every single person. I know it's coming. Pray for every person that walks under the threshold of that door back there and forgot to protect us while we're while we're in here. And I was praying oh, just for my, talk about selfish prayer. I'm praying for myself so that God would prevent all of these obstacles. And guess what started to happen? They just went away. And it just started going away. I'm as guilty as anybody when it comes to dealing with the routine things in my life that are distractions and aggravations and 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 I, I tend because they're small it's like the enemy has you right where he wants you because the smallness turns into bigness if you're not careful I, and I fell for it myself as I'm studying to be able to rightly divide the word of God to teach on spiritual warfare it's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. So what about your life? Have you really honestly considered that the things that are happening, the struggles that you're having, um, the conflicts that you're dealing with, um, the, the, the medical issues that you are dealing with, uh, again, the physical, relational, whatever it, it might be, are rooted in this invisible world in this invisible war where there is satanic opposition. And he's starting right here. Do you consider that? Because if you haven't been, if your pendulum has swung so far to one side that it hasn't been that big a deal and you're trying to deal with all these issues in, in, in the world that come at you in your own strength, I challenge you to reconsider that from a biblical point of view as we learn what the full armor of God is, how to put it on, and most importantly, how to use it. Because if you look at Ephesians, it talks about not only putting on the spiritual armor of God, but even praying in the Spirit. Do you know what that means? Do you know how to pray in the Spirit? Ask any church member anywhere. Just start where we live. Go to any healthy, well-balanced church and ask somebody what it means in Ephesians where we're told by the writer of Ephesians to pray in the Spirit. And I will tell you, it will freak most church members out. It just will. It will. Because we're not taught. What does that mean? What God, what are you talking about? Pray in the Spirit. Isn't praying just praying? No. No, no it's not. Because that's not... You, you're not appropriating the fullness of the power of God if you're not going to pray in the Spirit or, or be in the Spirit. It's a spiritual world that's invisible and there's a war that's going on and it's raging around us as we sit here tonight. Isn't that wild? And we sit here in victory. That's wild too. And yet we have to deal with the battles. We have to deal with the battles. 
the distractions in life come. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, you don't have to turn there. He said, he was talking to the church. He said, man, we've been trying to get to you. We've been trying to get there. We've been, we've been working at it. We've been organizing ourselves and we've been trying to... Because, you know, in those days they had to walk. So, it wasn't like they had car trouble. They had to walk there. But he said, and, and we need to come to you certainly, he says in verse 18 of First Thessalonians chapter 2. For we wanted to come to you certainly. I, Paul, did again and again I wanted to come. But Satan stopped us. The Apostle Paul. But Satan stopped us. Okay, don't leave it back. Don't leave this in the first century. Bring it all the way to the 21st and stick your life in here for a second. Okay, make this real. Man, I wanted to do something. I wanted to do something with the best of intentions. Maybe it was church stuff. I wanted to do this. But it's like again and again there was this obstacle in the way. And maybe the obstacle was you. Rooted in a spiritual battle that you had maybe even been blind to. It becomes pretty important all of a sudden, doesn't it? This spiritual battle that we're in. No, you can't get all cranked up and have everything go that direction. You just, you just can't, right? Because you can get so caught up in this that everything becomes a spiritual battle. And so every time that you can't get your shoes untied, <laughs> Satan's behind it, right? Yeah, I mean... You've you got to get real about all of this, right? And that's why I like the pendulum being in the middle here and interpreting Scripture uh, appropriately and rightly dividing the Word of God here. Uh, otherwise, you think that you've got a demon sitting on your shoulder all the time, and you don't. You just don't. But the, the real issue is, um, you know, have uh, anybody been dejected lately? or depressed or angry we had that conversation two days ago anyway. angry, dejected bummed out stubborn. stubborn, depressed less than cheerful around other people You have things in your life lately that just drive you nuts? Make you crazy? Wait, lately. <laughs> what do you say? Huh? What do you say? He said, lately. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I think one of the ways that he gets at us, Satan I'm referring to now, is in the human part of ourself, we have an ego problem. Mm-hmm. And I think he and get to us with that ego with the idea that I can do this, I can do this mm-hmm. in yeah, my yeah. own power. Sure. Because, you know, if you can't, what happens your ego goes down a little bit. I failed at this. Instead of turning it over to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know. mm-hmm. And I would suggest to you that most that, that most um, perhaps what we can all understand, most nominal Christians, those that are those people that have put their faith in Christ, but they're really they're, they're walking a pretty 
thin line, okay, um, that, that what happens is, is that they believe they've got it. Yeah. I, I got this. And you see, that's, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not berating anybody. I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to be derogatory at all. I'm just suggesting that that, that, is, a, that is a person whose pendulum has swung so far that everything is just real light. They don't take seriously um, what God has called us to, okay? to be diligent in these areas and to be informed and to understand so that we are equipped to be joyful. And the, one of the challenges in, in studying about spiritual warfare is it can get heavy, can it? When what we're called to is a life of joy. <laughs> okay, so don't, don't, let, don't let the enemy take our joy. Okay? But we do need to be informed. And we need to be transformed by first being informed. And so... When we have these things that are happening, you know how bad things come in threes. Anybody ever said that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Superstitious. I know. Where'd that come from? But it, but it happens. It does. Sometimes it does happen, and it. Okay. And so where? And so where does that come from? Hmm. The devil. It comes from the devil. Yeah. Because quite frankly, if you were really to evaluate if things really came in three, my guess is they, they sometimes they come in twos and sometimes they come in fives and sometimes they come in ones. And because you see there's no coincidence and there's no it's not like you had a string of bad luck because there's no such thing in, as luck in, 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 in the world because because God is sovereign. And so luck is uh, luck is a Las Vegasism. <laughs> it's not a it's not a biblical truth. There's no such thing as luck, and there's no such thing as coincidence. And you're right. And the enemy cannot read our minds, but he can sure he can sure use his minions, of which he has many. And we will see uh, to to start here. And when there when the tension on the negative side of our T chart, the evil side over there, he can push it, push it, push it if we allow it. And so, it's a spiritual war. And of course, you know, the great theologian Denzel Washington <laughs> said that if you have an enemy and you learn and you know your enemy, don't just be mad at him. You need to learn and you need to know the enemy. Because a lot of what we deal with comes from the enemy. And if you think that that particular deep theologian wasn't correct when he said that. The other theologian that I really liked was, was Winston Churchill. And Winston Churchill said, uh, I love this, he said, uh, you have an enemy? Good. It means you stood up for something sometime in your life. I love that as a Christian. I put a Christian spin on that. You know, you struggle with something, you're in the heat of a battle right at this very moment. Good. If it's a spiritual battle, it means because you stood up for something. And the enemy hates it. Because you have stood up as a Christian. You have stood up for the sake of Christ. And the enemy is displeased. He is displeased. And this, that's right. He wouldn't bother you otherwise. And so, remember that spiritual warfare is all starting from a point of deception as well the great deceiver. He's an expert. And so, uh, and, and of course, 
Uh, I love what uh, George Patton said. He's another deep theologian. Yeah. <coughs> Think about this in terms of the of, of your enemy, your spiritual enemy. May God have mercy upon my enemies because I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but the most important one, of course, is Ephesians 5.11. that says, Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And that's our purpose. We need to expose everything that is in the darkness. Because remember when we were studying 1 John, John wrote the letter to the church and he said there is dark and light. He contrasted everything for the church so that they would understand because they were struggling with spiritual warfare in the church. There was false teaching and they were trying. Satan had gotten into the minds of people to the point where they were trying to destroy the early church. And John said, they're from the darkness. And he said, expose the darkness. They're not of you. They're not of us. Let them go. Let them go, John said. And it's the same thing the writer of Ephesians says when he says, don't have anything to do with these fruitless deeds of the darkness. What is the darkness? Evil. It's the evil in the world. There is evil in the world and it's around us all the time. It has nothing to do with the deeds of that darkness, but rather expose them. You see, and then of course that's Ephesians 5.11, and then Ephesians goes right in to what the warfare is and what the armor is and how to put it on and what it looks like and how to use it and how victorious you are when you're in the Spirit. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. In fact, it brings joy even in our struggles. Because, what's that scripture, Scotty? You always impress me. I wrote it down. Um, Let me see if I can find it real quick. Ah, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. And and I'm going to, it says, rejoice always, right? I don't care what struggle you're in right now. Rejoice always. And then, in parens, I put, because you're already victorious in Christ, regardless of your circumstance. Do not let your circumstances get you down. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Parens, for every spiritual blessing. Pray for them all. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because, because that's what God's will is for your life. Give thanks for the circumstances that you're struggling with when you're in hand-to-hand battle with evil. Whether it's something you need to take personal responsibility for or whether it's those annoyances or those things that, have been, that, that the evil one has, has been allowed in and you're just getting hammered. Anyone? And you're just getting hammered. Pray continually. Don't worry about those circumstances because Why? Give thanks, not for the circumstances, but give thanks in the circumstances because you're already free in Christ Jesus. Does that mean you won't have to deal with the consequences of those circumstances? No, you will have to deal with the consequences of those circumstances, whether they be big or small. And yet, give thanks for who you are in Christ. Because, you see, that doesn't change. 
Consider it pure joy. That's hard to do. Amen? Yeah. Why is it hard, Tina? Why is it so hard to do when you're in the middle of it? Because you have not appropriated in the moment everything God has already given to you. What are you doing if you're not doing that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You put the armor in the closet. You see, because I submit to you that some of us, I'll be the first to raise my hand, some of us, when we're in the storm, we rather like it in some cases. Oh, we'll complain. We have everything at our disposal. We have the full power of God. Do you get that? All of it, he says. He's given it to us. And yet, we get all caught up and we... We bitch, moan, and complain. Don't we? We do. Is it a pride issue? I hope to shout. <laughs> Sometimes we like to say, well, it's me, so we can bring other people around us to say, oh, poor thing, poor thing. Dude, I feel Let so much better. If I can suck you down with me, it makes me feel so much better, Steve. Yeah. You've accomplished something. <laughs> all of a sudden, you lose the, even though the war is won, you just lost that battle. And we're told not to give any ground to the devil. None. Stand your ground, Scripture says. In Ephesians tells us to stand our ground. The three verses that we look at, Ephesians 6, 10, 11, and 12, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 13 says stand our ground. But that means stand firm. But sometimes, even after the victory, we don't have victory because, depending on what it is, we can have anger for it happening. Well, if if you if you have anger, you have to get through that too. Yeah, and you're and you're you, what what happens is, is that you're not in this you're not in the spirit. Anytime you're in any of those circumstances, you're just in the flesh. There's the tension. It's a push all the time. I'm dealing with a big one. It's a push. It's a struggle. I got somebody that has said something about me that is untrue and it's spreading like wildfire. So glad I'm not a Facebooker. (laughs) But you know what I mean? These things happen in life, don't they? There's stuff that's going on around us all the time that we have to deal with. And it becomes perky darn personal, you see, because I think the Bible makes it really absolutely clear, absolutely clear, that there are spiritual battles that are going on all the time. If you're alive, you are in a spiritual battle. And yet, we also know, and we're going to look at this more closely next week, that what we have is, we we are in a battle, but you see, um, Satan has met his match. Amen? 
Satan's no match. Yes. He is no match for God's protection. <coughs> so do you start with God's protection? Or do you just get sucked into it? Oh, I can't deal with it. I'm in the middle of it. Well, you start off with the armor of God, and then it just becomes boom, boom. Do you? Back and back. Yes. Do you? I do, especially when that phone call is coming. I know. Mm. I see that caller ID. I know, and that armor is on. But then it just, you just boom, boom. It just hits you, and you just can't. Yeah, see, see that, that becomes, thank you for bringing that up because that becomes really important and, and we're going to look at that really closely because is it really the fact that you fully have the armor of God on and you know how to use it and how then, if that's the case, how then do you succumb to that creditor that's calling you on the phone or whatever the case might be? It's because we're too stubborn to live in victory instead mm. of problems. Well, okay. I don't know. Our armor might be all rusty and dented too. Okay. And, and 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 so what what's going on in that in that process? I mean, turn to turn to First Peter five eight. We'll wrap this up. Because you got to you got to understand where all this stuff is coming from, and the, and and the more we realize the truth of where all this, the genesis of all of this, the better equipped we are to deal with it. But we have to make choices in order to deal with it, and we have to learn how to deal with it. Okay, because you're going to have trouble, I guarantee you. But we have been given every opportunity to use all of the armor of God that is available to us in His power, not our own. But 1 Peter 5, 8 gives us a pretty good idea of what the issue is. Go ahead. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And then I would suggest that the next verse, Tina, is great for when, for, for when you know, you're starting to put your guard down. It says, then resist him standing firm in your faith and in the knowledge that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. You see, uh, he has a lot to say here in this scripture about being sober-minded and alert uh, because because what's happening all the time, Christian? Uh, spiritual battle. And the enemy is trying to do what to you? Devour you. Yes. See, when the phone call comes, when the relationship is broken, when the, when the healthcare professional get, tells you something you don't want to hear, uh, when, whatever the case may be, what's happening in the spiritual realms is beyond our imagination, quite frankly. It's hard for us to grasp all of that. I'm, I'm reading this book by Chip Ingram called The Invisible War, and it's, it's really interesting. He puts it this way. He says, Satan and his forces have a and his forces. See, we always try to attribute this stuff to Satan, the little red guy with the pitchfork and the horns, right? <coughs> how did we how do we do that? Get that image out of your mind. That is not Satan. He does not have a tail and he doesn't have a pitchfork and he doesn't have horns. Okay? But it is it, 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 and we're gonna see who he is as we dive into really who he is and where he came from and his tactics and how he works. And when you understand that, don't, I mean, I'm telling you, don't miss next week because if you don't really know who Satan is and how he operates and what his tactics are and how he is 
after you to destroy and devour you, when you understand that you will be able to deal with these things from victory, you see, and your joy will come back. If, if you've been robbed of joy, regardless of circumstances in your life, it will come back when you understand what he wants to do to you all the time. Especially as a believer. Okay, read verse 10. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Amen. 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 I love the context of Scripture because you've got to finish it sometimes, don't you? And so what, what we see, I was going to say in, in Chip Ingram's book, he, he, he says it this way. He writes this. He says, Satan and his forces have a plan to terrorize your soul, to render you impotent as a believer, and to make you worthless for the cause of Christ and to make your life one of misery and spiritual defeat. Holy moly. That's his, that's his desire. That's what, he's, that's what he's here to do. Uh, and and those, are, those are put in just real English terms here. But it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? Because we don't sometimes give him enough credit and other times we give him too much, don't we? But we just have to be real about who he is and what he's trying to do. Yeah, I think I think oftentimes we give it we give it too much, and so. Uh, but it's it's biblically accurate that our enemy is a formidable foe. Okay. Enemies. But but he directs. Satan is the director. God has given him tremendous power that we're going to see. Limited as it is, he's been given more power than any other created being. And he uses it too. And he uses it, and we're going to see why he uses it the way he does when we understand who he is. And so when, because he's your adversary, and, and he, because he, he, is, he wants to destroy you, because he wants to, he wants to take the jack screw in your mind and squeeze it down. He wants to squeeze, you know, he wants to really get you thinking anything but biblically. I, w- I really think that he is using this person to, because I try to, to show her an example of how it should be a Christian because she's not a believer. And it's just kind of, it's one of those, I think he uses her you know, in the circumstances Second uh, Corinthians four four. The God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And so, if you are dealing as a Christian with anybody who is a non-Christian, they do not have the mind of Christ. They do not see things the way you see them. When you learn how to pray in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit and be of the Spirit and see things through the lens of biblical truth, when you learn how to do all of that so that you can fully and completely and totally appropriate everything that God has already given you, already given you, you don't have to ask for more. He's already given it all. He gave it all, starting on the cross, but he gave it to us all to appropriate. And when you understand that and you learn how to appropriate and you, de- and you completely understand that of the world means that you are controlled in the 
in the evil spiritual realms by its very nature, biblically, you're going to get a much better handle on how to deal with those things so that your joy is not completely robbed. Because the enemy t attacks you when? You're most vulnerable when? When? When you're weak. And when are you, when are you weak? Give me some examples. When you're not in the Word. When you're not in the Word. When you're off on your own. When you, when you, when you, yeah. I've had people say, I just, you know, I, I, I know somebody that said, ah, I don't go to church, you know, but I'm a, but I'm a, I just can't deal with that, you know, because I, I don't really like church. Um, and in fact, I love Jesus. I just, I just don't, I just, yeah. I just. I don't need all that. But I, yeah, I can't, I don't, I don't need all that kind of stuff. And so you get separated when, so that aloneness, boom, you talk about a target for the enemy. You're a target for the enemy. He attacks when you're vulnerable, when you're alone, when you're tired, when you're angry, when you're grieving. Grieving is a... Isn't it? Yeah. When you're sick. Grieving. That's evil. We tend to look at evil by looking at the newspaper and see what happens in Turkey at the airport. Oh, oh, we say that's evil. And yet the evil that we're dealing with is around us 100% of the time. We have to understand that because we can deal with it from victory. You're not going to fix that problem. The evil is not going away. We also have to realize one thing with Satan is, is Satan was with God for a long time. Satan knows how to get to us. Amen. And, and, of course he does. And we should also realize that when Satan tried to go against God, God said, that's what we need to do. And we're going to learn how to do that over the next, over the next few weeks. We're going to learn how to do that. Because, you see, if it's, it's not enough that, that the evil one uses everything. We, we looked at entertainment. We, we were looking at things like video games and Ouija boards and, and, and television. And, 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 you know, these are things that are of the world. And we, and we, we, we expose ourselves to all those things. And then we wonder, uh, we wonder why we have a struggle. We wonder why we're in this hand-to-hand -hand combat by somebody that wants to get us down on the mat and not let us up. And then we, you know, we, we, we wonder about that kind of stuff. And, 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 and it, it's in politics. And the, and the devil is in politics. And he's in, he's in money. And he's in he's in he's in everything in the world. He's the God of this world. He is the God of this world, and we have to get that seared into our head because it gives us the appropriate biblical perspective to understand why we're even tempted by the things of the world. Because I don't know about you, I spent 31 years in business, and I, you know, boy, you got to be really careful there. Because when you're in business, the business that I was in was in the world. And then you can be driven by money so easily because what's, what's the driver? Success. Success. Money. Prestige. I mean, you name it. Even competition. None of those things are bad in and of themselves. But they are bad if they are driven from the world's <coughs> perspective and not God's perspective. You see, because on a T-chart with God, you can have things that are both on the positive and the negative side, can't you? They can be both good and evil, depending on how you choose to approach them. 
And so we have to be very careful with that. But uh, if, 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 if that's not enough, okay, when we're dealing with things like, like, like um, uh, grieving uh, or anger or, or whatever it might be, um, he also uses things like shame and condemnation. Okay. In the life of a believer. Even embarrassment. Embarrassments. Yeah. Yeah, because you're not good enough. Because <coughs> you Christian, you're a sinner, you're a hypocrite, you loser, you're a sinner. Mm-hmm. Hear that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the world will throw that one at you all the time. No, you throw that at yourself all. Yeah, you, do you doubt? Where do you think that comes from? Yeah. Thomas. Uh, doubting Thomas, yeah. <laughs> That's where it all comes from. Again, I'm trying to just, I'm making a big deal out of this tonight because I want to sear it in because we're going to start getting really personal. Because this is personal. Because we're going through, because you have been, you know, my heart breaks because you know about <coughs> grieving, don't you? Even though we know, and you know about grieving, there's nobody in this room that doesn't know about grieving. We know about grieving, and yet we also know about victory in Christ, don't we? We know about that. And it's... You would never make it. That's right. That's what we have. But we have the the tension. We have the tension constantly of a family member that has blown us off. I got a sister I've talked to three times in 32 years. Who thinks that she's been reincarnated for billions of years and is a Scientologist? Of course, you know that. And I, I have no relationship with her. She's my sister, and I can't. I can't. You know, it's painful. It's painful. We have these things that are painful, and so there's this temptation, and the 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 the, the, the master of this world is is just that. He's a master. At dealing with us when we're vulnerable and we're tired or we're alone or we're grieving or we're angry or we're or we're in sin or we're you, you pick one, fill in the blank, amen. And yet, even though he's behind all of those things, um, I, I mean he's for real, and we can't take him lightly. Um, and because if we do, if we take them lightly, we are being completely and totally disobedient to the teaching of biblical truth and instruction. Amen? Amen. And yet, even though this is a heavy topic tonight, it's about the heaviest one we've had in conference, this being week number four in this, I don't want to leave it there. I mean, I want it to be real because it is real. And at the same time, we have to walk out of the door knowing that the battles that we face the rest of this day and all day tomorrow and for the rest of our life are fought from victory. You've already you are victorious. We have to walk out of here tonight and we have to claim that victory and we have to not only claim it, but we can't be we can't be sucked down by the circumstances in our life because our hope is in Christ. And hope isn't I hope it happens, of course. Hope is a confident expectation because of the truth. Okay? And because we know that we've won. You can't allow the enemy in to drive you down, even in whatever circumstance you're in in the moment. It ain't easy. But you can do it in the power of the Lord, in the strength of Christ who is in you. 
And oh, that ought to just give us pause for a moment because we are victorious. Next week, let's look at Satan for who he really is and let's expose him for who he really is. And in the weeks after that, a couple of weeks after that, we're going to look at Ephesians and we're going to go from an intellectual ascent of knowing what the words say, put on the full armor of God, to knowing what they mean, how to appropriate them, and then how to actually use those tools that God has given us in His strength and in His power. And I hope that that just brings a smile because life can be hard. Amen? Amen, right? What's that saying? Life is hard and then you die. Okay? Well, that's not... That's, there is some truth to that. But the biblical reality is is that who died for us? so that we could live life abundantly. And we need him and each other to do that. Amen? Amen. Second, yeah, second phrase of verse 9 there is very important, I think. It says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Standing That's firm in the faith. Amen. Yes, I will call Standing firm, meaning don't give up any ground. Yeah. Amen? Amen.